Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Good morning. It's great to see be back in the house of the Lord again. Uh, Sandy and I have been uh, away from the church here, it seems like, for, for some time, actually. We've been on a couple of trips, uh, went out to Texas to see her youngest son, Austin, and his family. And then just, this, just a little over a week ago, we went down and spent some time in uh, Florida. First time that she and I have really been on a trip together just the two of us for in a long time so that, that was very special and it's also special when you get out on the beach and you just take walks and uh, just look at the the glory of God and you know how magnificent and how small things seem to be in relationship to this big wide world that he's made and, and all of its beauty so it, it, it was a, no, nothing uh, real exciting happened. Probably the most exciting thing was coming back in the state of uh, Alabama with me driving. And uh, Sandy said, always, she says, slow down. You need to slow down a little bit. So we, sure enough, I didn't see some of the signs in a construction area. And I got pulled over. And... Uh, the, the policeman was very nice, and he came back. I was fully expecting to, to, to get a ticket and to pay whatever. But he came back, and he said, I'm just going to give you a warning this time. And, wow, that is, that's grace. That's grace for you. So, um, and we don't always get that fortunate. Years ago, uh, when I was... Uh, with uh, Long John Silvers. They had hired me into management back in the mid-70s. I went to work for them, and uh, at the time, they were very small. They only had about uh, 75 uh, Long John Silver shops open. And um, so I was hired uh, to do some initially some supervision, but shortly thereafter, because of the rapid growth of the company, I mean, they, it was really just like an explosion. It, it just, uh, they were popping up every place. So they put me, asked me if I would like to go into uh, training. So I became the director of training and stayed in that position for about four years, actually. So it was, when I first started out, it was like a one-man operation. And then within a couple of years, we had grown to a staff of about 15 people and. Uh, it, it was a, a very exciting time for me, uh, although a lot of work, there was times when we would go several months uh, without a break, you know, just one class after another. But I loved the position. I loved teaching and working with new managers and franchisees. And it was a special time in my life. There was a motivational tape that I used in training among several, but the title of it was Acres of Diamonds. 
I don't even remember for sure who narrated the, the, the story at the time, but it was an interesting story. And here a month or so ago when Pastor Morris asked me to speak, I got to thinking about that tape and, and, and really, because at the time I was thinking more from a, from a worldly standpoint uh, as it related to diamonds. And uh, I started thinking about it in the spiritual realm. And uh, the story, it, it goes something like this, and it is a true story. It's a true story uh, that uh, a man by the name of Comwell was in the 18, like 1870. He was over in Turkey uh, on the banks of the Tigris River. And the guide that was taking them along wherever they were going uh, was a storyteller. He loved to tell stories to the point where this Comwell would just sort of shut him out, you know. But, and and uh, so one day he started talking about something and, and he says, wow, you know, I've got to listen to this. This sounds a little different, a little, little more interesting. He started talking about a man that was, his name was Ali Hafid. And uh, Ali was a, a Persian farmer. He had a, he had a farm, wherever it was, uh, and, and he was uh, somewhat uh, uh, prosperous. Uh, he had uh, paid off the farm. And so everything seemed to be gone, and he was content. He had a family, he had children. Then one day, uh, uh, a man, they said it was a priest, came by his house, and they got to talking. And... The priest said, started talking to him about diamonds and that really, if you really wanted to be very rich, you needed to go search for these diamonds. That night, Ali went to bed a poor man. He, 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 uh, all of a sudden, he, his contentment was gone. And the next day, he decided that what he, what he was going to do is go out and start searching for these diamonds. So he decided to sell his farm. He came and told his uh, wife and his children about it and said, look, I'm going to go on a journey. And I, I'm going to be gone for a while. But when I come back, I'm going to be so rich that we can do whatever we want to do. So Ali took off on this journey, and it took him over several continents. He went to East Africa, couldn't find those diamonds. He looked everywhere, couldn't find those diamonds. He went to Palestine, still no diamonds. I don't know if I told you, but he did sell the farm before he left. He, he sold that farm, so he had some money. He wasn't completely broke. So he went from one continent to another, and he ended up in Spain. He couldn't find anything in, in Europe, went, went to Spain, and he was about out of money. He, he couldn't understand it because this man had told him, if you really want to find diamonds, 
find an area where it has, this, has these big mountains and these real white sands running along the, the river. And generally, always there, you'll find these diamonds. But he couldn't find them. He, he, went, he went everywhere. So he ended up in Spain, and he was broke. He had spent everything looking, and in despair, he threw himself into a big tidal wave that was in, in the ocean and never was to be seen again. But that's not the end of the story. The story is that uh, the, the same land that he had bought, the, the new owner was down with his camel going alongside the stream. He looked down and saw something coming out of the water. It was very bright. And he picked, reached down and picked it up. It was a, some kind of a rock. He just thought it was, it was just a pretty rock. So he takes it back, puts it on his mantle at home. And then the next day, the same priest that, that had sent Ali out on, a, on his venture came by to, to just pay a visit. And all of a sudden, he looked up on the mantle and he says, wow, where did you get that? He said, that's a diamond. He said, no, no, that's not. I just got it out of the stream. And I just put it up on the, on the mantle just for decorations. He said, no, that, that's, that's a diamond. He said, show me where you got that. So they went, went down, went to the stream, and they got to looking. And he reached down and found one that was even bigger than the one he had on the mantle. And, and then they found another and another. And so the, what happened was that they discovered the most valuable diamond mine in the whole world became right there on that farm. The, the, the diamonds of Golgonda, which are world famous. Princes and uh, so forth and so on. Uh, queens and so forth have had diamonds from there. So, so the point was diamonds didn't look like diamonds in the rough state. Uh, if you can see, look, look up here on the screen I mean, that's, that to me doesn't look like the, some of the diamonds that I've seen before. I mean, yeah, it might be pretty, especially in the sunlight and so forth, but you see an awful lot of carbon around that. That's what diamonds are formed of, of carbon. And they come from 100 miles underneath the surface of the earth. It's a long ways, 100, 100 miles. So how do they get to the surface? I, I think volcanoes and things like that, you know, bring them up. But so he didn't understand a diamond in the rough. Then you go to the next slide. That, that, that is a finished diamond. That's, that's a diamond that's cut. And the, the first one doesn't have a lot of value, but this one certainly does have a lot of value. Then if you put up the, this one, is a diamond that's valued at $950,000. That's a lot of money. So the point is, is that of this whole thing was not about diamonds per se. It's about the fact that we sometimes have a treasure right in our own backyard. And we, and it, but it doesn't look like a treasure to us. Has that ever happened to any of y'all? Uh, it certainly has to me. 
And spiritually speaking, the same thing can hold true. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, in the New King James, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Lee Strobel, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's author of A Case for Christ. He was an avowed atheist. He was an investigative reporter, and he was all about the facts. You know, and, and when he and his wife were married, they had a little child, she became a Christian, he wanted no part of it. He was an atheist, and, and he just, he, he never seen the facts to show that Jesus Christ was the, was the Messiah. So he uh, finally made it, uh, made it his, his goal to go and get all the facts and all the evidence of Jesus Christ. And he, it took him a long time to, to do all this research. And he talked to some of the greatest specialists in all these areas of Jesus' life. He, he studied the death of the, on the cross and his resurrection. And the evidence was so overwhelming that he finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. He, he gave up his job, went to the seminary, and became a pastor. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been through times in my life where I felt this, what the, when I felt that the grass was greener on the other side. Years ago, someone very near and dear to me, and somebody who I love very much, came to me wanting some advice. And you know, advice is, is pretty, pretty cheap. Uh, so, but he was, he was assured in his own mind that, his, that he needed to go through with a, with a divorce. He and his wife were having some problems, and he felt like that he needed to make his, make his break. After listening to him for a while, I finally asked him, I said, is there anything that's standing in your all situation right now that, that would be an obstacle in, in moving ahead with this, with this the divorce? And he said, well, one thing. He says, I think she's pregnant. I said, what? Well, that certainly changed the, the, the direction in which I was thinking. And so we, uh, we talked further, and several months later, the miracle baby was born. I call it the miracle baby because it brought he and his wife closer together than they'd ever been. Since that birth, many things have changed, including the addition of some more children. Self-centeredness was a huge issue. It always seems to be when divorce enters the picture. All of a sudden, they started meeting each other halfway and to make reconciliation possible. Today, I can say that they're happily married and are using the power of God to navigate them through the rough waters that they go through. We all have, have the rough waters. We have the peaks and the valleys in our life. And there are many times that we just think, I've got to uproot. I've got to go. I've got to leave here. I've got to go someplace else. Remember the prodigal son? We all know about the prodigal son. We know that story of how he got his inheritance early. And how he squandered it. He went out into the world. 
It didn't take too long before he spent it all. uh, Disillusioned, broke, and hungry, he makes his way back home to the arms of his loving father, where his father rejoiced and had a homecoming party for him. Greener pastures rarely are the answer. Running from one failure thinking there will be peace and prosperity, happiness in another location is very rarely ever the answer. Sometimes we simply can't fathom the unsearchable riches of Jesus that are living in us right now. I've found through my own trials and tribulations that we have a Savior that keeps his promise to never leave us nor forsake us through good times bad times he's he's always going to be there to give us the peace that passes all understanding when we discover this truth our running days are over it's time to plant deep roots and grow like Jesus wants us to grow there are storms in life life is not easy it was never promised to be The pandemic that we've uh, lived through for the last year plus has been horrible. There's terrible statistics that are being given daily telling of how badly this period of time has been. In some cases, it's completely destroyed families. It's adversely affected relationships. People's faith has been pushed to the very limits. Some have made conscious decisions to give up church and God. And divorces have skyrocketed. Depression has been on the increase. Suicides are up. In some cases, homicides have tripled. I don't know if you've lost a friend or relative to the COVID-19, but I had a a friend that died uh, last fall. He was a longtime former partner of mine in uh, a couple of different businesses. He was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's two years ago. After struggling with the disease for some time, he became unmanageable and had to be put into a nursing home. Two, day, two, two months later, he was afflicted by the COVID and passed away. I had another friend that we weren't so close over the last several years because he had made a fortune in the restaurant business. His name was Kent Taylor. Kent used to work for me uh, years ago as a bartender in Lexington. uh, And we reconnected back in the mid-90s and would have lunch uh, uh, together from time to time. But here's a man that was arguably worth 600 plus million dollars at his death. And he takes his own life. It's my understanding that he had a severe case of tinnitus. And if you know what that is, that's a ringing in the ears that happens sometimes when you're beginning to lose your hearing. In some cases, it is severe. They tell me. It's loud, ringing, and roaring. It can be a a lot of different sounds. But that's what I'm told. But uh, what a tragedy. Uh, It once again points out the, the, the fact that money is important but it can't manufacture happiness. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the smartest human being that God ever created, King Solomon, 
laments that the meaning laments the meaning and nature of things. The king said, I did it my way, but it was a vapor, meaning nothing. Why would he say that? It was just a vapor. Here's the answer. Wind, flood, fire, and time will take their toll on the things that we build. Money goes, on, goes as easily as it comes. Beauty fades. Sex loses its power. Therefore, true joy, meaning, and satisfaction cannot originate or be sustained by anything under the sun. What the king was saying, in, 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 in my own paraphrasing, is this. If we look to the world for all of our happiness and contentment and continue to ch chase after these intangibles, we will be just like Ali Hafid searching the world over for acres of diamonds. Our only happiness comes from Jesus Christ, the maker and sustainer of life. He is our acres of diamonds. In John 15, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. In Philippians 4.13, he's, uh, the apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. With that assurance, why do we need to look anywhere else? There's no question that in our life, we're going to come under the control of either Jesus or Satan. We have to choose who we will serve. Having a strong faith and living out your life here on this earth is not easy. Faith is not a cruise ship that's all about fun and relaxation. Faith is a battleship, a spiritual battleship. If you're looking for peace and serenity, don't, don't turn on your television or you're going to get a super large dose of negativism. We live in an age of negativity. We really do. And guess what? People are buying it. It's very hard at times to decipher what is true and what isn't. But we know there is divisiveness. There's hatred. There are a lot of people struggling mightily and need Jesus. We must continue to witness, to stay in God's word and pray. You know, the, the most powerful prayer that you can say is when you tell God what he's already said to you in his word. Sandy and I just returned from, uh, from a trip to see Austin and her, his youngest son, her youngest son and his wife and children. You know, it's, it's, one of them, it's a little different because we are used to uh, TV. Out there, they don't, they don't have any cable television. They have some programs and so forth for the kids, uh, the spiritual, that they turn on, let the kids watch them. Part of it's economics, but the other side is they don't want their children to be exposed to television's ugly side. So we watch children's stories. We play with them, take them for walks. And most of all, we watch as they participate in the opening and closing of Sabbath with song, with scripture reading, with prayer. It's such a blessing, such a blessing. So, so as we go through some of the 
peaks and the valleys, we must stay planted like a tree, a tree that goes, grows through every season, good or bad, but a tree that is fruitful and produces year after year because its roots are deep. Deep in the word, deep in the church, deep in prayer, in family, and in marriage. In Isaiah 37, verse 31, God was saying to Judah, you're going to go through something. And when life gives you trouble and trials, you can either let it shatter your world or you can let your roots go deep. Go deep so that you can take up and bear fruit. And that wasn't God's decision. It was Judah's, just like it's yours today. The enemy has no place for planting. There's no place he belongs. In Job chapter 1, verse 7, that he tells us that he moves to and fro on the earth, walking back and forth on it. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8, he tells us that Satan prowls around like a lion. He has no roots anywhere. The blessing of the Lord is found when you're planted in relationships. Relationships in the church. Relationships in, in, in fellowship with other believers. In marriage. In family. In prayer. And most importantly, with God. So stay where God has planted you. We won't understand or even like everything that we're going to go through in life. Many of the trials are very hard. Some of them break our hearts. But in everything, give thanks, for this is the will in Jesus Christ for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. One of the greatest impossibilities in the Old Testament occurred when the ancient prophet Ezekiel found himself in a large valley a low place. He looked around as far as the eyes could see. The ground was littered with piles and piles of human bones that were disjointed, cracked from the sun. God asked Ezekiel if the bones could live. The prophet wisely answered, O oh Lord God, you know. In other words, Ezekiel had no clue how it could happen. But he trusted God that he would know how. The situation must have looked hopeless to the natural eye. But the Lord had a plan. He told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. I believe this passage beautifully illustrates the power and breath of God. How he brings life into dead situations. The valley that was strewn with bones became alive and out of it emerged a living breathing army that brought death out of uh, brought life out of death and hope out of hopelessness the enemy may have wrapped a rope of hopelessness around your life to the point where you feel like you cannot take another breath be encouraged the same breath of god that brought adam to life brought Ezekiel's day, dry bones to life, breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples in the upper room and inspired, inspired every word of the Bible. 
You may feel like you're living and standing in a graveyard in some areas of your life. You may feel that your marriage is dead, finances are in shambles, perhaps your career is fading, maybe your dream has failed. Don't despair. The greatest victory of all time was won on the cross. The enemy wants to dry up our joy, but you can enjoy the greatest victory. Stir up the joy. Nehemiah 8.10 said, If the hand of the Lord takes you into a low place, remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strengthen yourself in him when you're in the valley. Pray. Meditate on his word. Surround yourself with people, not negative people, people that will encourage you. You know what our problem is sometimes? We pray for rain and forget to bring an umbrella because we lack faith that God can do the impossible. When God is ready for you to do something, sometimes he may just throw you where he wants you. You may not know why. You may not understand what is going on, but God does. Ricky Hoyt was born a <clears throat> spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, unable to walk or talk as he grew. Doctors told his parents their son would be little more than a vegetable and suggested that they institutionalize him. His parents refused. They began to work with him, teaching him to read. When he was 11 years old, Ricky learned to communicate with a computer and started attending public school. He went on to the university and eventually worked for Boston College. When Ricky was 15, he heard about a race to support an athlete from his school who had been paralyzed from a football injury. He told his father Dick about it. Dick was a, a, a non-runner. He had zero interest in running. But seeing how badly his, that his son wanted to, to participate, he figured out a way to do it. He would run and push his son in a wheelchair across the finish line. After this first race, Ricky told his father, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Dick began training hardcore and entering more races, all for his son. It was the beginning of an incredible sports endurance father and son team that has competed in 1130 endurance events including 72 marathons, six full distance triathlons and seven half distance triathlons. Wow, I stand in amazement of how totally incapable we are to make it to the finish line without our Heavenly Father. Conflict and many times unbearable pain build strength. A lot of times our prayers revolve around telling God to please help. Please help me get out of something. But he, is, he has you where you are for a reason. There are times when God wants to do something for us. And then there's other times when he wants to do something through us. As we start to, as we think about our eternal acres of diamonds think for a moment about the two thieves on the cross one thief looks at Jesus 
and sees nothing but a man on the cross. He sees blood spurting from his side, his feet, and his hands. He sees him crowned with thorns. He hears Jesus groaning, praying, Father, forgive them. And this thief curses and mocks the Savior as he hangs there, sentenced to die. On the other side of the center cross, the second thief looks at the same thing. The other guy saw same cross, same blood, same suffering, same wounds. But his eyes open to wondrous things. This man doesn't see a worthless person standing there on the cross. Uh, he sees treasures. He sees the Son of God. He sees acres of diamonds. And he begs Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? Jesus turns to him and says, you will be with me in paradise. Both men looked at the same cross, the same Jesus, the same trial, the same suffering, and yet each one saw something different. One of my favorite Adventist pastors of all time is Morris Vinden. Many of you know him quite well. Uh, he died in 2013, but he had a profound influence on my spiritual journey and Sandy's as well. He and his son Lee, who is still living and an excellent teacher and pastor in his own right, uh, they did a sermon series back in 2003, 10 years before Morris passed away. The, the sermon series was called All About Jesus. He did a, Morris did a, a sermon in that series called It's Who You Know. In this particular message, Morris told about a lady that would listen to his sermons early on when he first got out of seminary. He started preaching in this church. And this woman would always come up to him afterwards and she would shake his hands at the close of the service and she would tell him, I really liked your sermon, Pastor. You're going to be really good when you get to know Jesus. Well, Morris had to do some soul searching because she continued to, to say this every time he preached. And you know, he later confided that she was right. I did get to know. I, I did need to get to know Jesus. I can say that A decade ago, when, I, uh, when Jesus decided for me to become an Adventist, he did it for a reason. I mean, it, it's, it's very unusual for a person my age to become an Adventist. My per, but my, I can say this, my personal relationship with Jesus has continued to grow stronger and stronger. And not coincidentally, my relationship with my wife, Sandy, in our entire family. It's amazing when you really get to know the Savior, our Savior, our entire outlook becomes more focused. Priorities change for the better. Look, we're not perfect. Bad habits will continue to show their ugly head from time to time. I certainly have my own moments of negativity and anger at times, and I had, particularly during the pandemic, I was walking in our neighborhood recently when I ran into my friend Phil. After catching up a little bit on what's been going on with him and his life and his 
his grandchildren and so forth. Phil said he has had periods of anger during this pandemic and wasn't sure where it was coming from. Just bouts of being a little angry. Well, I said, welcome to the club, Phil. It happens. You know, we, we are just, we're not perfect by any stretch. We continue to sin. But when we have the advocate, the Holy Spirit, working on our behalf for our righteousness, we're going to show his goodness more often and keep Satan out of our lives more often. Sin will still be there, but just not as often. And we can attribute none of that to anybody other than God. The thing with transformation, it's not an overnight journey. As long as we stay in the word and pray, pray, pray without ceasing, miraculous things will happen. As I begin to wrap up today, before I wrap up, I just remembered I didn't say the opening prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me for my mental lapse today. I feel so blessed, Lord, to, to be up here speaking, hopefully, the, the, the words that you want me to speak. Lord, we're going through radical times right now. There's no question about it. So I just ask that you give us a radical mindset. Allow us to, to pray to you in a radical way. We need you, Lord, more than we ever have. We just thank you, Lord, for, for giving us the, the direction that we need in this life. I ask all this in the precious name of, of Jesus. Amen. So the world, in, in wrapping up here and concluding, this world is not our final destination. Heaven is mentioned in 54 of the 66 books of the Bible. In the, in the book of Matthew alone, Jesus mentions it 70 times. So if heaven is not real, then the Bible must be a lie. And we know that that's not the case. Life is hard. Trials sway us. Problems come and go. The struggle is real. But so is heaven. This should fill us with hope and joy no matter what happens in this life. Those who believe in Jesus will receive God's ultimate blessing, his best gift for us. Eternal life with him in heaven, to me, that will be acres and acres of diamonds. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Life on this earth is hard, but as believers, we have the hope of eternity. And in Revelation 21.4, John tells us that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. In heaven, we will certainly find our acres of diamonds.